book of Jude first, or uh, second, starting off in the book of Matthew. And as you're turning there, I don't know if any of you heard about the, uh, the kidnapping at school. The teacher just woke him up. Did you hear about uh, the fact that they arrested the devil? Some of you may have heard it. It was on the news this morning. They got him on possession. Got him on possession, Harlan. Amen. So this morning we're going to start a message about Enoch and the apostate generation. So most people today are, are interested or at least curious about what the Bible says when we're talking about the end times. And the second coming of Jesus Christ is by far probably the greatest prophetic event of the ages. Second coming of Christ. We think about some of the great topics that are in the Bible, the new birth, for instance, salvation, the new birth, being born again. It's a great and wonderful truth, but it's mentioned nine times in the Bible. Baptism. Think about baptism. That's mentioned 20 times in the Bible. Then we think about repentance. What a great word repentance is. Repentance is mentioned about 70 times in the scriptures. But the second coming of Jesus Christ is referenced about 380 times. How important do you think that is? Amen. About 380 times. And when we read about the early church, we read through the book of the Acts. Uh, it's really the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, it talks about, you know, all their actions establishing the early church. And when you read about the early church, you know, these apostles, the disciples, the early Christians, they were not looking for an undertaker. Amen? They were looking for the upper taker. They were looking forward to the second coming of Christ. Something that, the same thing that we ought to do. We ought to be looking forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Looking at Matthew chapter 24, I'm going to start reading in verse 3. Listen to what Jesus said, talking about the end times, the end of the age. Now as he, Jesus, sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us. When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, look at the first thing he said. Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. It's an important uh, last verse. We'll, we'll touch on it in just a second. This generation, this lost generation that very rarely even sees the inside of a church. 
this last lost generation could very well be the last generation. Amen? When talking about these signs, uh, the signs of the end times, many will always say, well, you know, preacher, we've always had wars. We've always had famines and, and pestilence and earthquakes and, and, and apostasy, all these things that Jesus talked about. And that's absolutely true. However, we've never had them in such rapid succession as we see them today. And that's the important part. In verse 8, Jesus said, all these are the beginning of sorrows. And it's important to understand in the translation, that word sorrows, Jesus was literally talking about birth pains or labor pains. All these are the beginning of birth pains. All these are the beginning of labor pains. We think about birth pains. We think about labor pains. Labor pains for all those moms that have children, those pains are unmistakable, aren't they? Amen? There's no doubting what they are. They start coming harder and faster right before the birth. Amen? A woman can have pain at any time. There's no doubt. But when an expecting mom starts having that pain harder and faster and, and at a quicker succession, that's no doubt these are labor pains. These are birth pains. What do they tell us? They tell us it's high time to get ready, amen? That baby's coming. The birth is about to happen. Jesus is telling us the same thing. He said the signs of the end of the time, the, the signs of the end of the ages are just like labor pains. Sure, we've had famines. We've had wars. We've had earthquakes and, and all these different things that he tells us about. But when they start happening in such rapid succession, he's telling us, listen, we need to start paying attention and we need to get ready. Amen? That's the warning that he's telling us here. All these are the beginning of sorrows. They're the beginning of the labor pains. When you start seeing them in rapid succession, we need to get ready. And this is exactly what's been happening all around us. Amen? Over the past decade or so, we've seen a multiplied sign. We've seen these signs multiplied over and over, a multiplication of these end-of-time end uh, signs. Pestilences, viruses. We've seen these viral outbreaks. We've seen pandemics like never before. Swine flu. Mad cow disease. SARS, we heard of SARS years ago, didn't we? E. coli, monkeypox, and, and the, the, the pandemic that never seems to end, COVID. All these different viruses, these pandemics, these pestilences, famines, in such rapid succession that we've never seen before. We are living in the last days without a shadow of a doubt. The last days in which Jesus can come back at any moment and gather up his church. Amen? Gather up every born-again believer. So one of the glaring signs of the last days, the Bible tells us, is apostasy. 
Very first thing that Jesus warned when, he's, when his disciples asked, you know, what are the sign of your coming? What is the, the sign of the end of the age? First thing Jesus said, deception. Take heed that no one deceives you. 2 Thessalonians 2.3. Listen to what the Bible says. Again, we get the same warning. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day, he's talking about the last days, the end times, will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin revealed the son of perdition, Antichrist, he's talking about. So there has to be a falling away, uh, the Bible tells us, right before the end of time. And that falling away, that turning from truth, that's apostasy. That's what apostasy means, turning away or falling away from truth. And an apostate, one who follows apostasy, is one who has received the truth, but they choose to reject that truth, and in turn, they actually look to change what is true. And we see that today more than ever before. Right has become wrong, wrong has become right, light has become darkness, darkness has become light. This is the age of apostasy in which we are living. So the book of Jude, and, and this is the, the main piece of scripture that we're going to be looking in today. The book of Jude was given to us as a warning. It's a book of warning. It warns us about apostasy and about apostates, those who choose to fall away from truth, those who choose to go away from truth and try to change truth, but also warns them about God's coming judgment upon them, upon the apostates. So let's go to the book of Jude. There's only one chapter, so you don't have to look up chapters. Jude, skip down to verse 14. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, talking about apostates, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So this morning, I want us to learn a few things from this godly man, Enoch. Enoch. And the first thing I want us to see, he's speaking about Jesus' second coming. And the first truth about Jesus' second coming that Enoch tells us is that it is a sure thing. Amen? It's a sure thing. Now, what's interesting about Enoch, Enoch was the first person in Scripture to prophesy about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Interesting fact about Enoch. The first person in Scripture to, to openly prophesy about the second coming of Christ. When did Enoch live? Well, the Bible tells us here in verse 14 that he was the seventh from Adam. The seventh from Adam. So that was a little time ago, wasn't it? Amen? He lived quite a while ago. Enoch and Adam were contemporaries. That means they lived at the same exact time. Amen? You say, preacher, seventh from Adam, that means he was seven generations away from Adam. 
Absolutely. You have to remember back then people lived much longer than they live today. So Enoch and Adam, they actually lived at the same exact time. In fact, Adam, he was just in the prime of his life at a mere 622 years old when Enoch was born. Amen? Just about as old as Ken. The Bible tells us that Adam lived to be 930 years old. So that means that Enoch and Adam, they lived together for 308 years upon this earth. 308 years they were contemporaries. And all the way back then, the Bible tells us that Enoch prophesied about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, you have to understand how amazing that was because Jesus didn't what? He hadn't even come the first time in Bethlehem, amen? But Enoch was still prophesying. God gave him that vision of the end times, of Jesus' second coming. And it's really no coincidence that God chose Enoch either. Looking in the book of Hebrews. Chapter 11, the book of Hebrews 11, that is the, the, like the, hate, the, the faith hall of fame. That's the chapter about all the faithful men and women uh, that really stand out in the Bible. Skipping down to verse 5. It says, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony. That he pleased God. Isn't that wonderful? To have a testimony written in history. God's word will last forever through eternity. And Enoch has that testimony through eternity that he pleased God. Amen? Bible tells us here that Enoch never experienced physical death. It says that God took him. He was raptured. Amen? God caught him up, took him up into heaven. He was raptured. Genesis chapter 5, we get the actual account. In Genesis 5, 24. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Can you remember when that happened, don't you? See, just like yesterday. <laughs> it just missed, huh? Amen. God took him. And if you read through Genesis chapter 5, Genesis chapter 5 is full of, of genealogies. Over and over and over, it lists this person, and they begot that person. And, and this person, so-and-so lived X amount of years, and then they died. Over and over in the chapter, it says the same thing. This person lived X amount of years, and then they died. This person lived X amount of years, and then they died. And then you come upon Enoch. And it says, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. What a difference from the rest of this chapter that Enoch stands out. He walked with God, and God took him. And that, that phrase, took him, he's talking about took him up. It means he was literally raptured up into heaven, raptured up into glory. Great picture. So Enoch, when we you know, really start to dig into God's word, 
there's a couple things. Whenever we read God's word, whenever we're studying God's word, we have to understand a few things. When we read a piece of scripture, you read through a chapter, a, a book in the Bible, we need to understand that the first thing we look at is the actual historical content. Amen. Enoch was an actual person. He actually walked the face of this earth. The Bible tells us that he was and then he was not because God took him up. That's the actual historical content. And then secondly, when we read that, we need to say, what is the spiritual meaning? What is the spiritual truth? What is that spiritual message that God is trying to give us? Because this is his word, isn't it? Amen. The Bible is God's word and God is a spirit being. So this book and everything in it has to have some type of spiritual message to it. A deeper meaning. So what is that deeper meaning that we need to see here in Enoch? Well, the fact is Enoch represents or is symbolic of the church. The body of born-again believers. Now, I say the church, we're not talking about the building. We're talking about all born-again believers make up the church. Enoch is symbolic of the church. We, the church, we are anticipating the same thing that happened to Enoch to happen to us, aren't we? Enoch was called up to heaven by God, and the church, we are looking and anticipating the same thing. We're anticipating the rapture when Jesus comes and he gathers us up and takes us up into heaven. Amen? So Enoch is symbolic of the church. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is where... We, the church, this is where we talk about the rapture. This is the piece of scripture that tells us about the rapture. It says, for the Lord himself, skipping down, we're talking uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. That word caught up, that phrase caught up, is where we get the word rapture from. We who are alive and remain shall be caught up. We shall be raptured together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. That's the rapture. The same thing that happened to Enoch, we as the church, we are looking for that same event. Now the Bible speaks of five raptures. Amen? The Bible tells us about five raptures. We read about Enoch. Enoch was the first. We read about him in, in Genesis 5, 24. He walked with God and then was not, for God took him up. That was the first rapture. The second we find in 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 2. Then it happened. As they, he's talking about Elijah and Elisha, two prophets. Elijah had been a longtime prophet of God, and he was coming to the end of his ministry, and he was, in so many words, passing the torch to Elisha. And this is what happened. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Elijah was the second who was raptured. The third, you may have heard, that, heard of this guy, 
His name is Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 9. Now when Jesus had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as Jesus went up, behold, two men, two angels stood by them in white apparel, who said to them, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So Jesus was the third one to be raptured up into heaven, and it also tells us that he's going to be what? Coming again in that same way. Amen? Now, the last two, that's the first three. The last two are yet to come. The fourth rapture will be us, the church. What we just read in 1 Thessalonians 4. Amen? At that shout, the voice of the archangel. That's rapture number four, when Jesus gathers up his born-again believers, his church. The fifth one we see in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 11. Some of you may or may not be familiar with the two witnesses in the book of Revelation. Now, this is during the tribulation period. Now, to set the context... The church is raptured right before the seven-year tribulation period. So the born-again believers, we are going to be up in heaven with Christ. Amen? And then there's going to be seven years of just hell on earth when the tribulation comes. And in the midst of the tribulation, God sends two witnesses. Many Bible scholars, myself included, I believe these two witnesses are who? Moses and Elijah. And the reason I believe that, in the Gospels we read about on the, on the top of the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus revealed his glory to his inner disciples, Peter, James, and John, two men appeared with Jesus. Who were they? Moses and Elijah. Amen? And then we see in the book of Revelation, these two men come in the middle of the tribulation, and they preach the gospel. Again, God warning mankind, look, this is it. The end is here. Amen? And listen to what happens. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. Right at the end of their ministry, during the tribulation period, God will rapture these two witnesses up into heaven. Now, there's something that happens a little bit before that. These two witnesses were actually killed. In verse 7, it says, When they finished their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them. That's Antichrist. And overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of that great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. He's talking about Jerusalem. Then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put in the graves. 
and those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them. Make merry and send gifts to one another, because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Now after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and a great fear fell on those who saw them. And then they heard that loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And God caught them up into glory. Five raptures and the two witnesses are the last to be raptured. Amen? So let's get back to, to Enoch and, and think about how he is symbolic of the church. Now, the Bible tells us that Enoch was the seventh from Adam. He was the seventh generation from Adam. One thing we know for sure about this word is that there's no coincidences in it, is there? Amen? There's not one coincidence in the Bible. Everything is there for a reason. And we also need to understand that numbers are very important to God and very symbolic. What's the number seven mean? It means perfection or completeness. Amen? So seventh generation, that means that is the complete generation. Seven means completeness. Now, we talk about the church. We are living in the church age. The church age started when Jesus ascended, when we read there in the book of Acts chapter 1. The moment Jesus ascended, he left us his Holy Spirit. That was the beginning of the church age. Now, if you look at the history of the church age, there are seven dispensations of the church age or seven distinct periods of the church age. Now, you can read through Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, and you read about, guess how many letters to the churches in Asia? Seven. Amen? There are seven letters that Jesus wrote to the churches throughout history. Amen? Those seven letters represent the seven distinct dispensations or periods of the church age. The seventh letter was written to the church at Laodicea. Guess what time frame we are living in now? We are living in that same time frame, that seventh dispensation. That letter to the church at Laodicea is meant for us. It describes the condition of our churches today. Amen? We are living in that seventh dispensation. Enoch represented, he was the seventh generation from Adam. Enoch being a picture, a symbolic of the church, is telling us that what happened to him is going to happen to the church. He is symbolic of us. As, as Enoch was raptured, we, the church, right at the end of the church age, once this last dispensation is over, Jesus is coming to take us home. He's going to catch us up. We'll be caught up to meet him in the clouds in the air. The seventh generation, the seventh dispensation. This is the generation that will be raptured into heaven. Jesus talked about in the Gospel of Luke. He said, I tell you in, the, uh, I tell you in that night, talking again about the end times, there will be two men in bed. The one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding in the mill together. The one will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in the field. The one will be taken and the other will be left. 
Jesus is talking about the rapture and what's going to occur. Those who are saved, those who are born again are going to be what? They're going to be taken up. Those who are unsaved are going to be what? Left behind. That's what this is talking about. That's what Jesus was talking about. One will be taken up. One will be left behind. And those left behind will be left behind for what? To endure seven years of literal hell on earth, the tribulation period. Matthew chapter 24, going back to the book of Matthew. Skipping down to verse 37. Jesus said, but as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus is telling us, he says, look, the last days will be just like the days of Noah. Guess who lived during the days of Noah? A man named Enoch. Amen? Enoch lived during the days of Noah. What is Enoch known for? Walking with God and prophesying about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Enoch and Noah preached the gospel during the days of Noah. Amen? So what were those days like? What does the Bible say the days of Noah were like? Well, go back to the book of Genesis. We don't have to guess. Genesis chapter 6. First thing that God tells us, these were days of just evilness. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Days of evilness. When he talks about, uh, he says that, that, um, that every intent of the thoughts of the heart. What is he talking about? He's talking about imagination, right? He's talking about our imagination. Talking about the days of apostasy. In Jude chapter 8, Jude talks about dreamers. He's talking about the apostates. Listen to what he says. He says, likewise, also these dreamers... They defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. These dreamers are the same ones that God is talking about here. The intents of the thoughts of their heart was their imagination. They dream up. They imagine false doctrines. They dream up false beliefs. They dream up false religions. And we see that prominently today. Amen? Deception. That's what Jesus was talking about. Don't be deceived by these apostates who choose to turn away from truth. Not only do they choose to turn away from truth, but they choose to change truth. They're dreamers. What else was uh, this generation like? The days of Noah. He also said it was days of violence. Verse 11 in Genesis 6. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Let's turn on the news today. Amen? City right across the river from us. 
Every single night you see multiple murders. And it's not just that one city, it's city after city after city. Violence, we think about what is violence? Violence is is simply just cold-hearted disrespect or disregard for mankind. Amen? That's what it boils down to. Just disregard for mankind. And we see it so much. We are seeing more and more unspeakable violent acts every single day. What else were the days of, of Noah like? Well, there are also days of apathy. Matthew 24, Jesus actually spoke about this himself. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So Jesus was describing apathy here, right? He said in the days of Noah, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Jesus wasn't saying that eating is sinful. He wasn't saying that drinking is sinful or getting married was sinful. What was he saying? He's talking about apathy. Jesus was saying that in the end times, people are just going to live their life carefree, without a worry in the world, and without giving God a second thought. He said there would be days that are filled with apathy. In the end times, he's saying that they are going to be very selfish and only think about themselves. The only thing they care about is getting or or how much pleasure that they can get out of life. Do we see that today? Absolutely. Amen. One of the most selfish generations that's ever walked the face of this earth. It's all about me. They were apathetic toward the coming judgment. And they were, uh, you know, warned by Noah and Enoch. Day after day. Think about Noah. In the middle of the desert. What did Noah build? This massive ark in the middle of a desert. He didn't go unnoticed, amen? Everyone knew who, who Noah was. And day after day, as Noah was building this ark, he was telling people what it was for. He was warning them that God's judgment was impending. It was coming. It was right on the horizon. And what did they do? They mocked him. They laughed at him. Ah, that old man's crazy. Building a boat in the middle of the desert. And what did Jesus say? And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. Friend, that's the same thing that every preacher who preaches the word of God has been doing for the last few generations. Sounding the alarm that it's high time. Now that we see these, these signs of the end times coming in rapid succession, just as Jesus said they would, there is no doubt we are living in the days of Noah today. Days filled with violence, 
Days filled with just pure evil and apathy towards God. Been sounding the alarm from this pulpit for over 20 years. Along with all the other faithful preachers and pastors. But those warnings continue to fall on deaf ears. Just as they did in Noah's day. You see, that's another sign. Very few in Noah's day responded to the gospel. And very few are responding today. Amen. And just as sure as the flood came, we can be just as sure that Jesus is coming. And he is coming very soon. 